It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, George? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. Good everyone. Welcome to episode 140 of the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, a betting preview of this weekend's Premier League Game Week 7. Joining me today, pro gambler Tony Alvarez. I'll unmute you, mate, and tell me all about how good the North London Derby was. Yeah, uh, yeah, what a day. Um, it helped that I started drinking from very early and carried on to drinking till very late. Um, but yeah, I mean, as an Arsenal fan, I think days don't get too much better. Obviously, getting the win. Also, my over 2.5 coming in within about half hour. Um, always goes well always always gives you the bragging rights as well so yeah just what a day yeah it was beautiful to watch i had a i had a free bet with bet 365 they gave me a 40 dollar free bet you wouldn't read about it i put 40 dollars on arsenal to win three nil and uh i uh i i cashed out because i wanted to see more goals i didn't want anything in my mind thinking you know stop scoring goals or whatever so uh, yeah, was lovely to see, mate. Um, George, you wouldn't read about it. He's back, the card betting expert himself. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Doing doing very well. Obviously, it was a very entertaining game. Watched it with uh, my old man, who's uh, obviously Spurs fan. And uh, funnily enough, for his because it's my uncle's birthday as well. They're both Spurs fans, but they never took me to a game as a kid. Hence, why I diverted and went elsewhere yeah, when I was a young man. Um, but no, for their birthdays, I sorted them out. Uh, two tickets to go and watch Spurs at home to Leeds at the end of November. And all through the game, they didn't know about it at this point. And I was just like, this is just calamitous. What's happening to them? And I was waiting for that moment. My dad was sort of like, thank God I'm not one of them fans that's made that trip up there. Blimey, sod that. And I was just like, please don't. Please don't. But uh, yeah, great performance from Arsenal. Fantastic. Really, really good performance. Can't fault it. And Tottenham just, I'll so speak, we'll speak about it in a bit, I'm sure. But yeah, just look absolutely woeful, don't they? Yeah, they're uh, they're pretty terrible. Let's be honest. Um, all right, quiz question for the week, fellas. Three players share the record for the most Premier League red cards. This is right up your alley, George. Uh, who are they? And we will get to those answers right at the end of the podcast. Game of the round, fellas. One of the uh, most anticipated matches over the past probably three or four seasons: Liverpool versus Manchester City. I will get the odds up. We've got our Man City sitting favourites, even though they're the away team in this one. Around that 240, 245 mark, you can get Liverpool as high as three in some places. And the draw sits at about 3.5, 3.6. Liverpool sit top of the table, one point clear of five teams coming off a crazy game against Brentford last weekend and in recent days a shellacking of Porto midweek. Manchester City, mixed bag for them over the past week, massive victory over Chelsea last weekend and then a disappointing loss to to PSG. I mean, what a run of games this has been for Manchester City. Chelsea, PSG and now Liverpool. It, it, uh, this, uh, how's, the, how's the heart rate been going lately, Mr Gamble? Um, it's been all right. I mean, we're still playing fantastic football, but it's weird saying it after, you know, I think a consecutive like five nil wins, but you know, again, in those kind of games against PSG, I think anyone could see Stevie wonder could see that we were missing a striker and that we were desperately in need of one. You know, we create all these chances, but we've not got a poacher to kind of get on the end of them and, and put them in. And obviously we let Sergio Aguero go. Um, and that was quite apparent that we were doing that early doors and, you kind of thought, well, they're not going to let him go unless they've pretty much guaranteed someone coming in in the summer. And then the whole saga with Harry Kane, and obviously with that, we decided not to go for Messi because we've been burnt twice, really wanted to focus on Harry Kane. Don't get either of them. Um, so, yeah, it's we've got all the build-up play, all of it. And, you know, we create a chance after chance, even against PSG, you know, dominate the ball. I think we looked the better side, but ultimately, you know, moments of magic from messy and obviously a great shot from game it just looks like a completely different game but yeah it's, it's difficult we do i just feel like we look a bit toothless at times and when things don't quite go our way you know it looks like we could be there for days without scoring um but i look at this one i mean what a classic this is in terms of the past few years or more than that four or five years 
Uh, Liverpool against Man City at Anfield is usually always a cracker. It, it really is in comparison to usually when it's at the Etihad. Um, looking at this one, though, kind of both teams you know, in Champions League action during the week. Um, Liverpool, fantastic result in Portugal, thumping Porto 5-1. And to be fair, they could have scored even more. It could have been even more embarrassing for them. But uh, yeah, and obviously, like I said, City hot the channel to take on PSG. Lost that one 2-0. Um, couldn't quite make it. Sort of two wins in a row, two big wins in a row after beating Chelsea last weekend. Um, but yeah, Liverpool and City, they're scoring 2.5 and two goals respectively so far this season uh, per game. And they do create a lot of chances. And, you know, I say that and obviously when I've just previously said about, I worry, you know, we're not finishing our chances. Um, there's no, you know, we're still one of the best of, if not the best side in the league. And I just feel add a striker and we're complete. So it's a little bit frustrating to watch at times. But the key for this one, you know, Trent Alexander's out um, and he always performs so well against City and He's a fantastic fullback. I always sort of be on social media. I'll say a few bad words about it, but you can't deny it. he's a fantastic player, absolute baller, um, and he's so important to Liverpool. You know, no players more made more key passes or or had more assists for Liverpool than him uh, this season. It looks like James Milner is probably going to slot in to replace him. And whilst I like James Milner, he's a very solid player with a great work ethic. He's not got the versatility of Trent Alexander Arnold. You know, he doesn't offer that forward threat, but you know, he still will get forwards. He's just not as effective as uh, Alexander Arnold. Um, if you're looking at City, I think there'll be a bit of rotation. Foden obviously started on the bench against PSG and then came on. I think he starts here. Um, and I think De Bruyne will get pushed into that false nine role that we're so used to seeing him in. But yeah, both teams have scored in five of the last six meetings. Um, it's quite notorious that teams in the top four, top six, when they play each other, like the under is usually the way to go. But in this particular fixture, there always seems to be goals. Um, you know, Liverpool, they're unbeaten in their last 11 and seen at least three goals in their last six overall. Um, and if you're looking at sort of managers going head to head, Jurgen Klopp's the most successful manager uh, against Pep Guardiola, managed sides with nine victories from their 21 previous encounters. I mean, it's still not great, but it's uh, obviously the best of the rest. And uh, yeah, they sit in first and uh, second for average shots per game as well with the chances they create. So I reckon we're in for another instalment of goals um, in this one, another titanic clash at Anfield. I, I do think there'll be goals here. So uh, when I this morning, it was around 1.8 on the mansion bet for over two and a half goals. And I did quite like that one. Yeah. Okay. Nice, mate. It uh, it kind of makes sense. They they do score a, score a lot of goals, these sides. Uh, what, what do you think of, of Liverpool... Tony, I feel, I don't know if it's just being on the other side of the planet, but I feel like Liverpool are flying under the radar a little bit. I feel like everyone's talking more so about Chelsea and, and Manchester City and everyone's kind of forgotten a little bit about Liverpool. Any any thoughts on that, on them? Sorry. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Even like me, I just think the leagues between Chelsea and, and City, obviously we spoke about it last week because they're playing each other and no one, Liverpool sort of, and also ran up for me, I think they're guaranteed third. But obviously they're top of the league. I know there's not, not been many games and their fixtures haven't been as hard as some of the other teams. I mean, you look at Chelsea, they've played Arsenal, Tottenham and City already. Whereas Liverpool games have been quite nice. And I think you'd have probably, if you looked at the fixtures at the start of the season, you'd have maybe expected them to be top of the league at this point. I, I just don't think they have that fear factor they had a couple of years ago and maybe it was because of last season when they they clearly underperformed with no crowd uh, especially at Anfield um the, the the fear factor's gone and it won't take long to get that back if they have a couple of big wins at home if they win this weekend and, and then one or two other games I think that will, will quickly come back things like struggling against AC Milan who are not the best AC Milan we've ever seen won't have done that one done that any favors but then they might be happy with teams coming and thinking they can have a go at at Anfield and, and not just parking the bus and, and trying to get a draw, which is how last season started. And I think of that, they lost like six at home in a row. And I think three or four of them were one nil with teams basically park, parking the bus and taking their one chance. I remember Burnley winning with a penalty. Um, Fulham uh, was like a smash and grab as well. Uh, in the middle of that was an, an absolute battering by City, to be fair. But yeah, I do think in some senses they are going under the radar. I don't think anyone expected Van Dyke to come back and sort of be at a level immediately. I do agree with George. I think Trent is a huge miss. I think the majority of their attacking comes from Trent. And and as you said, Milner, I assume, will come in. But, I mean, Grealish, who I assume will play wide, will, will fancy that. Uh, you'd imagine it. And then that, give, that gives City, if they ever are pressed in, which I don't think they will be, but even if they are, because they've got no one to run in behind, 
they can get the ball to Greedishly, he'll be carrying it 30, 40 yards basically every time he gets the ball, I think, um, which will make a huge difference to the game. Um, interestingly, though, I'm going the exact opposite to George. I'd really fancy the under 2.5s just because, <laughs> and I said it last week, the, the big fixtures in the league are so often low-scoring, boring games. And obviously, I went up against the bookies on it last week. Um, and yeah, I feel I feel the same this week. I know there has been some high scoring in this, but I'm discounting last year, which was 4-1 because of the lack of crowds. And it was in the middle of Liverpool's run of finally losing at home and then they lost at home every week. But I mean, just off the top of my head without looking, I remember quite a few low scoring games. Um, there, there obviously has been overs as well, but I remember there was a nil-nil when Mares put a penalty into what, Goodison Park practically. Um, and then there was a few other low scoring games. So I... I can't argue with the unders, but I, I think uh, 2.2-ish. Uh, I mean, I can't argue with the overs, sorry, but at 2.2-ish, 2.25 I'm seeing in some places, uh, you can't... I, I fancy the unders at that price. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, it is a good point because you, if you think about it, Alexander-Arnold being such a key part of their attack, marrying that with Man City's stellar defence... Like Liverpool might really struggle to to get on the scoring sheet, and like you've said before, George, Manchester City are looking a little bit toothless in front of goal. Do you, how do you how do you feel about the unders, George? <laughs> it's well, I was you know looking at the last. Uh, I was actually just looking at the last six meetings uh, at Anfield between the two, and obviously as you said I agree in terms of that four-one. You know, it was it kind of it's difficult to sort of have that within obviously all of the, the information given the circumstances behind it but nevertheless you know so it was the last six meetings 4-1 four, four, City 3-1 Liverpool there was a 1-0 then a 0-0 nil, nil. it was 3-0 Liverpool then it was 4-3 Liverpool um, and I think yes obviously Trent is a big miss um, but I feel like City you know they're better off targeting um, you know Liverpool's right hand side I think that's where they get the most joy but sort of forget as well I know we've got Kyle Walker in terms of his pace but He's not had to deal necessarily, you know, he's had to deal with Mbappe obviously in the Champions League, but Salah and Mane could cause a lot of problems to City. Um, one thing I've noticed this season is our defence, they do tend to, I say struggle's not the right word, but occasionally they can get opened up. If they're caught, they've got the likes of Ruben Diaz or, or Laporte, or if Don Stones comes back for this one, you know, they are often found, you know, trying to literally just jostle for position, trying to get back into the right positions, and they've been caught and left a few gaps defensively. and. I'd be sort of okay with that if it was against like a West Ham or an Everton, but this is Liverpool. We've got, you know, Mohamed Salah is, is obviously on top form at the moment. Um, Sadio Mane is obviously getting his confidence back. I think he scored in the week as well. And yeah, I just, I think we'll score. I do think we will, but I do worry um, about the, well, that attacking trio of, uh, of Liverpool. Obviously, if Firmino plays as well, he brings Salah and Mane into the game so well. I've, I've been the first to sort of mock Liverpool fans for saying, you know, that it was meant to be a striker, but you know, he's all this, that, and the other. He doesn't score goals, but he does bring Salah and Mane into it. And just the way he plays with them is phenomenal. And I think they could seriously test this city back line. So I see it being slightly end to end. And I think a few times players will get caught out of position uh, and that will create chances. So for me, kind of going with history, going with how I'm sort of looking at the game tactically. Um, and yeah, I, I do like the overs, but again, similar to kind of what obviously you said regarding, you know, wouldn't obviously discount the overs. I, I wouldn't discount the unders. It could quite easily go under two teams frustrating each other. It's obviously just two sets of different opinions. Oh, I love it. I love this kind of stuff. It really gets me excited, <laughs> fellas. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> I love how I said that with a croaky voice too. It sounds real creepy. Yeah. All right. Uh, Manchester United versus versus Everton will be the next game we will look at. Odds for this one, Manchester United reasonably short there at 1.5. The draw at 4.5 and Everton get as high as 7.5. Manchester United, it's beautiful to see. They've been on quite a rough trot the last few weeks. Losses to Young Boys, West Ham, Aston Villa. Uh, But maybe, maybe that last gasp win over Villarreal could get them kick-started again. Everton... Life under Benitez has gotten off to a superb start. They sit equal second on the EPL table. But I guess the big thing here is, and I I kind of, uh, this is one of the reasons why people should probably uh, just look into games a bit bit more thorough before they they think about 
you know how good the odds are on a certain team. I I couldn't believe you could get seven point five for Everton, but I didn't realise that uh, Calvert Lewin and Rich Allison were also injured. So um, they're probably probably Everton's two best players. Have Have you got any? Is there any news? On, I'll go to you, Tony. Is there any any news on those two? And if they're definitely, I know Rich Allison was flirting around and saying that he might be might be playing. Yeah, I, I've not heard anything above what's been said in the press and, and whatnot. So as far as I'm concerned, they're both out. But mm. I don't know anything that, as I said, no one else will know. Which does, as I said, it's one of them. You look at it and you go, I mean, they're 7.8 on markets, And you look at it and go, that's huge for a team that have been performing quite well. Um, but, yeah, then you look at all the other factors with the players out. And it makes the price seem a lot more reasonable. I mean, if one of the two play, I'm pretty sure Calvert-Lewin's definitely out, but if Richardson play, they'll go down to at least seven, um, at least. Um, which Because they're kind of a two-pronged attack, aren't they? Like, I don't, I don't know what the history is like, but do you feel like if if just Richarlison comes in, like the, the difference it'll make in comparison to both of them being back will be quite minimal? Uh, I mean, in terms of the odds, they'll shorten because you look at them now and you, you think basically who's going to score. They've been relying on Townsend Weldies and and Gray's been scoring, which is almost unheard of. Um, mm. So just one of them coming back is a recognised goal scorer. Um, obviously, they lost Hammers and then Sigurdsson, obviously, before the season started for very different reasons. So it's not... Although we're looking at just the two strikers, they've also lost basically the two number 10s they had last season. So they've got none of last season's attack and you're relying on a Andros Townsend that couldn't start every week for Palace and an Andre Gray who Leicester let go for nothing and Leverkusen let go for nothing. That doesn't mean he's not a good player, but it shows you that what's expected of him and what he's doing now are, are quite different. So I think the odds will shorten uh, significantly if if uh, if Charleston's back. I mean, I'd imagine if, if they're both fit, with the way Man United are playing recently, we're probably looking at about 4.5 to 5 for Everton. So obviously 8 is a big, well, 7.8 they're at, is, is a big difference. But it said you look at their firepower, I assume Rondon's probably going to start up front. And I mean, he's a seven-goal season man at best. So it shows that, that even if it is just for Charleston, you're adding sort of 15 or so Premier League goals to, to potential goals to their lineup. Yeah. Plus Rashad yeah, literally plus Rondon has got the mobility of a pub. That that man is I watched him a lot for West Brom and he's He just sounds slow, doesn't he? Rondon. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. He's unreal. Like <laughs> words fail me, honestly, when I watch because I've got a friend who's a West Brom fan and used to go watch like with him at West Brom just on an evening. And he's as bad live as he is on the TV. Like <laughs> it's just insane. It really is. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on Manchester United, George? Because I I just look at Manchester United and think, I feel like they've been doing, like, performing the exact same way for the last year and a half. They just, yeah. <clears throat> the only reason yeah. they're improving slightly is because they get better players in, maybe not in the right positions where they actually need it, but they just get lots of, like, they didn't, Everyone needs Ronaldo, but you know they were pretty pretty well equipped up front already. Yeah, that but... what they probably needed was someone in midfield or or something like that. But with with uh, with Oli at at the helm, you just feel like there's a lever that they're going to get to, and and it's unless you change the manager, it's yeah. it's gonna you're going to struggle to get past like you know break through that. Ce- you feel like there's a ceiling there, and they keep yeah, bumping definitely. their heads on it every every bloody couple of weeks, and and people. You know, call for Ollie's head, and then he gets a couple of results together. Well, that's that's just it. Like, as a City fan, for the first time ever, I am loving it when United snatch a result because it means we've got another couple of months of Ollie. Like, yeah, Yeah, I agree. But I've I've said plenty of times, you know, United with that squad should be challenging. Like, they they should be. They've spent not far behind Manchester City in the past. You know, since I think City got taken over, they spent over almost over a billion. And what have they got to show for it? You know, all right, yes, I know City have invested a lot. Obviously, they've won trophies for it. I'm not trying to pit City against United, but the point I'm trying to make is they should be winning things. They should be on all fronts each season. And Ole is not the man to do it. He is the weak link there. He really is. And another thing I was saying, are they really improving under him? Last season, when they obviously when they finished, um, I think it was last season, they finished runners-up. And everyone's like, oh, no, that's improvement. We finished second. 
But you look at the points they got. The points tally they achieved wasn't enough to win a Premier League title in any of the previous 26 years. Like, is that really improvement for them? Like, it's for me, I, I don't think Ollie is the man at all. And the sooner I'm loving it as a City fan that they're keeping him there because he's so average. Yeah. He's not got that nous in game to recognize something and think, I need to tweak that. That bit's not working there and nip it in the bud before something bad happens. He just doesn't do it. He's very reactive rather than proactive, which is why United won't succeed under him. But kind of looking at this game, though, um, Rafa, Rafa Benitez could become the first ever manager to win a top flight away match against United with three separate clubs, which I thought was an interesting one. I love Rafa Benitez. I think in terms of what I said about Ole, Benitez is exactly what you'd want in a manager. You know, he's brilliant. He really is. Um and again, you know, I can reel off through the stats, but it's the team selection that really got me. You know, I was looking at the fact United haven't lost any of their last six matches against Everton. Um, in fact, Everton have conceded in all of their last six. Um, but United have conceded first in four of their last five, which was obviously quite worrying. But United are probably likely to bring the changes as well. Obviously, it's a very quick turnaround from their game during the week uh, against Villarreal, which they were very lucky to win. They should have probably lost that game. David De Gea put on an absolute masterclass. Um, it looks like they're still going to be without Harry Maguire, who's obviously their captain. So probably means Lindelof's going to come in. Um, don't know what you know how how often he's going to play with Varane normally. So it'll be interesting to see that relationship tested. But yeah, the, the main point is obviously we've already covered is you know Dominic Calvert Lewin and, and Richarlison. They're missing and they're such huge misses. Um, so I mean, if they're obviously involved and uh, it's full strength squads each side, I'd potentially be looking at both teams to score. Um, but the lack of attacking threat from Everton worries me. You know, they got past Norwich City, but even against the worst team in the league uh, at home, they saw less possession and scored with two of their four shots on target. Um, so for me, you know, the market's right behind United. I, I can't say I'm, I'm against that either, but uh, this will just be a watching one for me. I'm not going to have anything on this one. Yeah, no, it's, it's very tough, isn't it? Because you just... Mm. <laughs> It's, it's it's all kind of just down to, to yeah. injury injury news, really, isn't it? Um, yep. Tony, you got any news for this one, mate? Uh, no, the only thing is, I, I think I'm not 100%, but I think Shaw's going to come back in um, because obviously he went off last week injured and then he missed midweek. So everyone assumed it was an injury, but it was illness. So unless it's COVID, which they keep saying is an illness rather than just saying people have got COVID, he should be back for the weekend. Um, so that's... That's pretty much all I know. I think every, everything else is on the Man United side is pretty much known. Maguire is out. Wan-Bissaka obviously comes back in because he was suspended. Um, and I said it would be probably be Varane and Lindelof with Shaw at the back if he doesn't have COVID. But Because um, yeah, he's been he's been included in the England squad, isn't he? So that would suggest he's probably yeah. pretty much fit. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, was, that came out first that he was in the England squad. Then United done an announcement saying that he missed the game oh. through illness and injury. So... You'd assume it's not COVID if England have put him in the squad because yeah. they'd vote to United. So, uh, yeah, that's that's about it, really. Uh, in terms of, I, I would wait until team news comes out for this, but I, because of the way Everton play, where they'll let you have the ball and let you come onto them. And for me, I think Ronaldo is obviously one of the best goal scorers ever. And for me personally, I think Greenwood's up in the top three finishers in the Premier League. And I think if you give United that much ball, um, they are going to score. And, and as we've all touched on, I can't really see Everton. If, I mean, they may score, but it's not something you'd bank on. So I think the just the United win is not a bad price, especially if, if Everton do come in from people thinking, oh, 7.8, what a price. So I'd wait until the lineups come out because of the, the, the Richardson factor. But I don't think United are a terrible price if... Everton don't have Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin Lewin back in. And United have the players we expect. So your Brunos and your Ronaldos, uh, Greenwoods are all included. Um, if, say, Greenwood is out and Sancho comes in, to be honest, I'd leave it alone. That would be a, a game changer for me just because, as I said, for me, Greenwood's finishing is, is that good. That, and against a team like Everton, where you are going to get chances, you'd prefer him to Sancho, who might go at a defender that Everton are going to pack. But Benitez teams are going to pack the box anyway and try and not give you many chances all right we'll see how that one pans out yeah keep an eye on team news everyone uh next game we're going to go through is brighton arsenal this is a really I'm, I'm excited for this game i think it's a really good really just a great matchup for both teams to see where they're at in their seasons <clears throat> you can get arsenal around 2.5 2.6 brighton around three 3.1 
and the draw sits at about 3.3. Brighton, another team on level second, actually, in the EPL with the likes of uh, Everton and all the other big teams. Funny start for Brighton after last year where they, they seemed last year they were the unlucky ones. They severely underperformed on their XG, but uh, I feel like now they're kind of overperforming their XG a little bit. If you have a look at the, at all the, at all the data, Um, they're actually level with Arsenal on expected points after six games. I know it's only six games, but um, yeah, just really interesting to see the, I guess the trajectory of both these sides. Uh, As we know, Arsenal, a absolutely stunning result for the club against Tottenham last week. They're now three wins in a row after that shocking start to the season. Big news with Shaka gone for three months. Um, yeah, it would it, be interesting to see what Arsenal do in terms of replacing him and uh, and how that affects the side. I'd love to get your thoughts on on this game first, George, as an unbiased, uh, as a neutral, mate. What are your thoughts on Arsenal the last couple of weeks and, and, um, and how Brighton have been going too? Yeah, I think Arsenal have been been brilliant. Um, obviously, slight slight bias because uh, obviously I love Mikel Arteta from being at City and really wanted him to do well, kind of you know under the tutelage of uh, Guardiola. And there is there are signs that it's starting to come good. You can sort of see what he's trying to do, um, and I think you'd stick with him. And yeah, the, the turn of three results is is brilliant for Arsenal. It really is. Um, in fact, this is only going to be only the second time that Arsenal will play Brighton in the top flight whilst below them in the league standings. Uh, last two and so back in 1982. So it just kind of shows you how well Brighton are doing as well. But, how do you, know, you find these stats, mate? It's just incredible. Oh, what can I say, mate? I've got my sources. I do my research. <laughs> I, the thing is, I love stats like that. I, I don't know why. Like, sometimes they're just irrelevant, but they're just nice to hear. But um, So irrelevant, but so good. <laughs> they are. They are. It's great. But uh, no, Brighton missed their chance to go top of the table, didn't they? Um, as they drew one all with Crystal Palace last time out and they needed a 95th minute equaliser, uh, you know, to, to rescue that late point. Um, but, you know, still, they've got off to their best ever start to a top flight campaign, winning four, drawing one and losing just the once. And the Amex has actually been a, a happy home for Brighton of late. You know, they've won three of their last four um, home games. And that's as many as they mustered in the previous 22 uh, prior to that one. Uh, and won three, drawn 10 and lost nine. Um, you know, they've been solid defensively and those efforts have kind of underpinned that good form as you know, that, then they've now kept seven home clean sheets in uh, 2021 and only City uh, and Chelsea. Chelsea, they got nine apiece. Only that is a better return. So, no, kudos to, to Graham Potter. I was one of the first people saying when Spurs were on the you know their merry-go-round of trying to look for a manager, I thought Graham Potter would have been perfect for them. I really do. It was uh, you know slightly unfashionable choice, but he'd have been excellent for them. I really think he would have been. Um, but yeah, both teams, they found the back of the net in five of the last seven head-to-heads and Brighton are actually without a clean sheet in 10 meetings with Arsenal, just as we've spoken about how good they've been defensively. Um, and, you know, visitors, Arsenal, they've opened the scoring in five of their six most recent meetings as well. So they do tend to play quite well against them. Um, and when Arsenal have been priced about evens or above this season, they've only won once uh, and that was against Burnley. Uh, they lost two versus Brentford and obviously Manchester City, but you know, the one against Manchester City, that can happen. The one against Brentford, I imagine, as an Arsenal fan, was very disappointing uh, on that opening night. But um, yeah, I think Arsenal, for the first time in a while, they're going to be able to deploy their first choice defence. So that's going to be a huge boost. Um, but on Brighton's side, it remains to be seen if, uh, you know, Welbeck, Pesuma, and I think it's Mwepu, that's how you pronounce it, if, see if they'll be available. Um, but if they're not available, I'd quite happily get an Arsenal draw no bet. Uh, and that was at minus... Sorry, I'm, I'm speaking to you in American odds. We don't do American odds here, do we? <laughs> no, it's... So 1.8, um, I found that, and I thought that was a, a brilliant price, really. Yeah, I've, I actually already bet Arsenal draw no bet earlier in the week at 1.845 or something like that. Um, how how yeah. big of a loss do we think Basuma is, George? Massive loss, massive loss. He He's kind of like, I almost describe him similar to, it's like a popular comparison, but kind of like Kante. Like, you know, he just make, he knits everything together. Uh, for Brighton and I think he's going to be a, a huge loss so for me I would be looking again the same as you should always do be looking at those team lineups as they're announced uh, and if Basuma is not in there and if you can still get a similar price for Arsenal draw no bet I'd, I'd take it because hmm. you know this game all the midfield battle in this game is going to be very important and if Basuma is not part of that battle 
um, yeah, definitely side with Arsenal. I'd want it to be getting on Arsenal. Yeah, certainly. Um, your thoughts, Tony, uh, especially on on the Shaka loss. Uh, it seems like on the surface, Arteta's got two options there. He could either go with a straight swap with Lekonga, you would think, or uh, deploy the system he deployed against um, against Burnley with the two with the two eights. So party <clears throat> party in the middle and and Odegaard and Smith Rowe running off the the sides as as basically two eights. So, what are your thoughts on on what he might go with here against Brighton? I would go with Sambi. I think he will go with with the two eights, especially if if they get word the Sumer is out because they'll just go with the technical players to try and keep the ball and give Brighton the run around in the middle. Um, I just think I'm not Odegaard's biggest fan because I don't think he takes enough risks and he's a 10 that isn't going to get you many goals and assists, but off the ball, he's excellent. He's pressing, mm. uh, like he's harrying and so dropping him a bit deeper, I think you lose a lot of what he's good at um, and then he just becomes another body in the middle. But I, th- I think that's what Arteta will go with. But, I mean, it's interesting looking at Brighton because last year, especially for, like, me trading, they were you kind of just avoided them because they were so well fancied for no apparent reason most of the time or because their underlying stats were good, but they weren't very good on the pitch, not nine times out of ten. But they were just really hard to, to oppose because of people just backing on data. Um, it's funny that it's the opposite now, but people are still backing them because, uh, I don't know if they just remember last year, their stats were good and now their results are good and they're marrying the two together. There was, there was a lot of people that thought Brighton would start favourites this week, but obviously because of the Arsenal-Tottenham game last week. Arsenal always fancied anyway. I know there's a few big syndicates that love Arsenal um, for, for whatever reason. So obviously Arsenal are, are going to be favourites. But you look at um, Brighton's results and they, they snatched a 2-1 against Burnley. They, they lost to Everton quite convincingly. They got a 94th minute winner against Brentford. They robbed Leicester 2-1 and there was a ridiculous penalty and a ridiculous offside goal for Leicester. So you can't knock them being where they are. And then obviously, as George said, they got a 95th minute equaliser against Palace. So you can't knock them for being where they are. But I think it's a very false position. And if even, say, just two of them results turn around so they didn't get the extra point against Palace and, and they didn't against Leicester, they, they would be sitting along alongside Arsenal in the table and the odds would be very, very different. Mm. Um so I think Arsenal should have a lot of confidence. Um, and, and they said if Brighton have got the players out, Welbeck, they said today, seeing a specialist. I don't even know what's wrong with him, to be honest, but I don't know too many players that see a specialist on a Thursday and play on a Saturday. It, it just doesn't happen. But I said, I don't even know what's wrong with him. It might be he's broke a toe now. I don't know. Um, but for me, I, I think Arsenal look quite a big price. And if Basuma's out, it's definitely a trading opportunity. It's really annoying because I don't get Brighton team news early. I'll get Arsenal, but I won't get Brighton, which is the Arsenal team's irrelevant in, in this for, for, for trading this um, yeah. unless something drastic happens. Um, but I, I can't argue with your draw no bet. I, like 1.84, I think it currently is on Smarkets. I checked when you just said it. Uh, I don't think you can argue with that. And I wouldn't be against 2.64. Uh, which Arsenal are currently are just obviously for the win in the mm. match odds market. And I hate, as an Arsenal fan, I hate backing Arsenal. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> do kind of struggle to take that emotion away. But I, I, I don't think, I think 2.64 is a decent price. And I think 1.83, 1.84, draw no bet is is a cracking price, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's hard, mate. You got you almost got to like ask yourself a million times for the reason the reasons why the bet will not win. Well, it's <laughs> you, you've got to think well, negatively about. What was that? You're disappointed twice. If they lose, it's like, oh, I'm pissed off they yeah. lost, and I'm pissed off they're throwing my money away. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, You're not wrong. Yeah, that's well said. Um, all right, no, no, I think it's a, it'll be a cracking game either way. It, it almost. Um, it would be a bit more exciting if Pasuma was playing to make it a little bit more equal and really get a good gauge of, of how both teams are going. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that one, fellas. Uh, George, over to you, mate. You've got two games that uh, in particular you wanted to look at this week, and we'll kick it off with uh, Burnley versus Norwich, mate. 
Yeah, I don't think it's going to be the most uh, popular game of the weekend that people are rushing to find out what's happened. I'll, I'll be honest, but uh, but no, I do quite like. It. I mean, like I said, it doesn't look like it's going to be a classic. Um, you know, you've got a side who've won just four home games since the start of last season. Uh, that's eighteen percent. Welcomes a side who've not won any of their opening six games at all and just look absolutely dreadful. Um, you know, Burnley they're on a, a winless run of nine games, drawing two and, and losing seven. Um, and that run also finds them second bottom, just a place above Norwich. Um, but, you know, you look at Norwich, they just look an absolute shadow of the side that won the championship at a canter. Um, you know, they've invested about 50 million into their squad, but you wouldn't have thought it. They, they just look dreadful. They're by far, in my opinion, the worst team in the Premier League. And there's already been comparisons drawn with that Derby side that obviously accrued the fewest points uh, in Premier League history. Um, and you look at, uh, Daniel Fark's side and their record at Turf Moor makes for grim viewing as well. They've won just one of their last 18 visits um, and conceded two or more in each of the last eight. Um, you look at the previous, I think it's 43 head-to-heads. None of them have finished goalless. There's always at least one or two goals in this. Um, and I think with the fact that only a win's going to do for both sides and just Norwich are so, so poor and Sean Dyche, I love the man, on a tight budget to keep Burnley up there season after season doing what he does and you know, sometimes pulling off some real shock wins um, on a you know very tight purse strings and yeah, they've, oh, Norwich they've not led a single game all season. They just they're just awful. They're so disjointed. I'm not impressed with them. Got a horrid record away to Burnley. I don't see them picking up a win here. Um, they went away to Everton. You know they dominated the ball. I think they had more shots. Um, still didn't get on the score sheet. And that Everton side, as we've already discussed in the you know in the preview beforehand. They're missing a lot of key players, a lot of creative players, a lot of finishers, and they still found a way to win 2-0 quite comfortably and soak up any pressure. Norwich didn't really pose that much of a threat, really. Um, limited them to sort of few chances. And yeah, even even here, I think Burnley will look at this one think, great, an opportunity for a nice three points for us. And I think they get it. Um, I know they're both sort of relatively poor, but for me, Norwich are, are much, much poorer. Um, so Burnley winning, that was at 1.91 on Betfred. Um, I thought, that's some nice juice in that price, really, because I just don't see how Burnley don't beat Norwich here, uh, even though they're poor themselves. Norwich is just horrific. So for me, I'm siding with Burnley, and that's the that's the team I want to be on for this at uh, 1.91. Yeah. If I, can I just jump in quickly? Um, so I've seen both teams live, obviously. I've seen Burnley at Turf Moor mm. and Norwich at the Emirates. Norwich are the worst Premier League team I've ever seen. Like, yeah, I, I wasn't awful. going to Arsenal regularly when that Derby team were about, but I can't imagine it'd have been much worse. Like, Norwich didn't even try and win the game. We got stick no. because we only won 1-0, but Norwich just absolutely didn't try and do anything. These Burnley had a go against us, and it was quite an even game, really. Yeah. Uh, they were 1.96 on, on Smarkets, and yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to back them all day at that price, to be honest. I mean, if, there was a, I, if I had one concern, it would be that apparently Maxwell Cornet is not involved in this one, but even so, I think Burnley have got the quality to get past past Norwich here. Well, they're, they're not particularly big at centre-back either and you've got Wooden Barnes who I'm almost certain going to play and you yeah. think between them they're going to win enough balls that Krull's not the most commanding coming off his line either. So no. even even if it's just McNeil putting them in, I, I think Corne is out but if they play Goodmanson and McNeil and instead of trying to beat them then just putting the ball in and you'd fancy Wooden Barnes to, to run riot really. Um, yeah. yeah, I think at 1.96... Yeah, it's a very, very, very strong bet. Mm. All right. Love it. Um, good to see you guys in agreement for once, eh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to your second pick, George, but uh, we'll briefly talk about Tottenham versus Aston Villa. As I've said a million times on this podcast before, I, I barely watch any Premier League, but sometimes when you look at prices, you get very confused. Uh, and this is most certainly one of them. I, I'm... I'm shocked that, that Tottenham are this short. Maybe not that Aston Villa is sitting at about 3.5 to beat Tottenham, but more so the fact that, that Tottenham, you can, you know, they're as low as 2. 2.05 in some places, which just seems just seems absolutely ludicrous to me. Um, yeah, Tony, any thoughts on, on this one, Matt? Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I'm not particularly saying Villa are going to win, but the prices just look insane and... It looks like a decent trading opportunity, especially tonight. Tottenham struggled against a team I've literally never heard of. And I know we use that phrase all the time, but I genuinely <laughs> have not heard of them. Have um, they played they, the they, team that's got the train track running through the middle of the stadium? Uh, 
if they have that. I know nothing about this team. I, I, what are they called? Mura. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, and they were too. I, I was listening as I was driving back from boxing. I was listening to it on the radio, and they were saying that it was a bit cagey at two one, and they ran Kane, Son, and Mora on, and end up winning five one. It looked half glossy. Kane got his customary hat trick, but he hasn't looked. He hasn't looked like a footballer in the Premier League so far this season, to be honest. And this isn't coming from a bitter Arsenal fan. I can appreciate Kane is an unbelievable player, but he hasn't looked it so far. Um, as I said, I'm not saying Tottenham won't win, but they're, they're 2.16 on markets, and I just can't see the justification in that. They've been horrible in their last three games. Their manager doesn't know what he wants to do. He buys an attacking right-back on deadline day. They lose a couple of games with him, and they go back to the most defensive right-back I've ever seen against Arsenal. Yeah. But then he plays no defensive midfielders. Yeah. Earlier in the season, he's playing free. It's, like, it's not subtle changes he's making. He's making like wholesale changes every week, not just in personnel, but in terms of structure and everything it's, it's just absolutely baffling what they're doing they buy Romero for 50 55 million plays a game does okay they don't win next game against Arsenal he's out and Dyer plays and you know what like there's just no they're not flowing I can't remember no consistency that's the word I was looking for um and then Villa I don't I think I don't think Villa have been as great as as people other people do to be honest uh, but they lost 3-0 to Chelsea they're a bit unlucky by all accounts it, it wasn't a 3-0 if it had been a 2-1, no one would have complained. They've gone and beat Man United last week. So coming off the back of a Man United loss, they've had a rest this week while Tottenham haven't or some of the Tottenham players haven't. I'm really shocked to see that the price as high as it is. Um, I, I, as I said, I do think it's either more of a value bet or a trading opportunity than it is a, a straight, just a straight punt, so to speak. But yeah, I was really surprised when I when I looked at the prices. Well, they, they the were two. Is... Yeah, no go, mate. Sorry. I was saying the other thing I've noticed with Spurs, every time they come up against a side with energy who are in their faces want to press them, they struggle and they make so many mistakes under pressure. You know, you've got a lot of these sides in the Premier League that are trying to learn how to play out from the back under pressure, play those quick one, you know, one touch passes to get themselves out of danger and into the next phase. Tottenham do not do that. They are, they just panic. They don't know what they're doing. And time and time again, teams win the ball off them in the final third and, and pose a threat. And after watching Villa, I've watched a lot of them this season and the energy they've got. They're in your faces constantly. You know, the likes of John McGinn. I mean, he's another player that I'm just fascinated by. I love the way he plays football. And yeah, I was very surprised to see the price that they are. And I, mean, I don't blame you for taking a trading opportunity because, you know, those prices, I, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure why. I keep looking and thinking, is there something that I'm missing? Um, yeah, someone from because, Aston Villa not playing. That's why I just keep looking at it. The... Well, Leon Bailey's obviously, but we all know we all knew that Leon Bailey wasn't going to be available. Um, you know, he's going to be out, I think, until next month, is it, I believe? Um, but yeah, you know, Villa, they're riding high. I've just beaten Man United away. I've got uh, obviously a week's rest. And then you've got Spurs, obviously, got a thrashing from Arsenal in the North London derby. Obviously, played this uh, European game midweek. Yeah, it's, for me, it makes of. Uh, well, it's got the hallmark of a, a very good game, but uh, yeah, prices are wrong in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's it's bizarre because Tottenham yesterday were at two point two or two point two five, and they've been they've been backed in on that price too. So it's just like, yeah, it's one of those ones where you, you just the, the prices seem so off that you feel like you're completely missing something. So uh, we will uh, we'll wait and see uh, how that one plays out. And lastly, for you, George Leeds versus Watford, mate, you've got a bet here. Yeah, I'm taking a it's a bit of a risk, but I do quite like it and, and I quite like the price as well after watching uh, a lot of Leeds this season. Um it's a, good, a fascinating game for me. You know, Leeds they've been get a lot they get a lot of praise in the media for their gung-ho approach, the way they play football, how it's exciting, but it's not conducive to long-term success and, and staying in the Premier League. And you sort of wonder is that second season hint syndrome sort of hitting them now? Now, they're yet to keep a clean sheet this season. Uh, they've also failed to keep one in their previous 10 head-to-head uh, at home against Watford. I mean, I don't read too much into head-to-heads, but it was just interesting that even against the likes of Watford, you know, they do concede. Um, so, at least want to get the win here. I do think they need to score at least two goals. Um, you know, Leeds have never failed to win in their first seven games of a league season in their entire 102-year history. Uh, so, this could be a, a bit of a record-breaker for them, but not one they'll want. So... Also, looking at Watford, you know they're beginning to kind of show that hardness, which is sort of required. I think from newly promoted sides, they need that bit of steel in order to stay afloat. And 
after picking up four of the last six available points that could have easily been six, um, as obviously they came from behind uh, against Newcastle and only drew having a, I think it was a late winner ruled out by VAR, you know, should have got the win there as well. And Ismail Assar, I'm so impressed with Watford that they managed to keep him because there's a lot of uh, times that he was linked with Liverpool and, and a host of other clubs as well. And he's going to be key. You know, he's, I think, per, almost 69% um, of his total shots have been on target, 11 of his 16. Um you know, you look at ahead of the round as well from a card's perspective. Lead to the worst discipline PL side so far. They've got 14 yellows and, and one red. So I, I do think there will be cards in this game simply because of the you know the manner that both teams play, the sort of the styles of football they have. And I think there might be a slight style clash here. Um, there's been at least three goals in uh, six of the last seven meetings between them. Um, and both teams have scored in five of those. Watford, they're unbeaten against Leeds in their last five head-to-heads. But uh, Watford themselves, they're without a clean sheet uh, in any of their five previous games and have conceded first in four of the last five. But I kind of look at it and I look at the way that sort of Leeds have been defending. They do leave gaps and I think Watford can exploit that. You've got obviously Dennis up front. He's having a, a great season. Then you've got the pace of Ishmael Assar because Leeds like to bump forward. Um, and I've sort of not just kind of having a look at it as well. Obviously, did well with West Ham last week. So obviously, uh, Luke Aileen was missing and a lot of defenders were missing. So... I still think Ismail Asar runs them ragged. I really do. Um, Leeds, they're conceding an average of 2.3 goals per game so far this season. And like I said, it's a nice match in styles. Leeds going her approach and, and flooding forwards. It could just play into Watford's hands. Um, and so they're exceptional on the counter with that pace of you know, Saar and Dennis. I'm, I'm except, well, I'm expecting quite an exciting end-to-end game here. And I think Watford could easily get two goals. And uh, I was looking at the price and it was, uh, I think it was about, 3.2 when I looked at it on 365. Yeah, I just got are... it up, mate. Uh, yeah. So over one and a half goals for Watford is as high as 3.2. Uh, Bet Victor, Unibet, and yeah. Parry match. Yeah. And for me, I'm going to have a small play on that because I do quite like those odds. And like I said, for a team like Leeds who are conceding at an alarming rate, I, I think there's, that's definitely got to be uh, worth a very small pun. It won't be obviously one of my main plays of the weekend, but I just quite like that bet. Because um, I think Watford could do a job on Leeds here. All right. Terrific, fellas. That's six games we've gotten through there. Loving it. Uh, best bets for the weekend. I'll go to you first, Tony, mate. Out of everything we've talked about today, what's your favourite bet out of all of them? Um, I'm going to steal one that we wasn't, well, I wasn't originally going to talk about and go Burnley, I think, at 1.96 on, on Smart. <laughs> He's just he's just absolutely taking it out of his hands. That's all right. That's my best bet of the week as well. All right. Well, there we go. You guys can share that one then. See, uh, see we agree in the end on the main thing. That's all that counts. <laughs> it's beautiful to see. Got off to a rocky start, but you're uh, you're back in the good books. Um, and I'll just I'll throw in one. I'll go I'll go Aston Aston Villa. I've got no idea what uh, what price of that three point five or three point six. I mean, I'll, I would just lay lay Tottenham at whatever they are now. That's probably the best play, uh, two point one or two point one five, whatever they're at. I just think that's a, that's a ridiculous price. Um, you can find these gents at C George Gamble on Twitter. You can also follow George at at George underscore C G G. Um, and check out Tony's Patreon, Only Fools Lay Horses, and also his um, his YouTube channel, which is also called Only Fools Lay Horses. That's a, that's a great name. That's a brilliant <laughs> name. <laughs> so good. Well, and people come to me, what's wrong with laying horses? I was like, uh, there's nothing. It's just a play on words. Like. <laughs> Well, you've been sending me clips, George, of Only Fools and Yeah, horses, I've been sending I... Alex clips, so many clips of like, you know, you get on Twitter, the Only Fools and Horses, little moments. And I'm like, have a look at this one. Have a look at this one. There's one with, an obviously, the Australian comes in there who wants to be a millionaire episode. Absolute classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's on the list of uh, of programs to watch. Quiz, uh, quiz question for the week, fellas. Three players share the record for the most Premier League red cards, which is actually eight. Uh, who are they? And uh, yeah, who are they? <laughs> do you, you want to go yeah. first? Because I think I know them. Oh, I was gonna. I'm pretty sure Vieira is one. I don't know if it's just being an Arsenal fan. I felt like it was every other week. I was surprised it's low as eight that you've just said. Uh, I had no idea on the other two. I don't know if obviously Vieira is right, but I have no idea on the other two. Yeah, Vieira is, oh, Vieira is one. He's one. And George, do you reckon you give me the other two, mate? 
certainly can. I'll leave the best till last. So the other one, Duncan Ferguson, Everton. Yep. Yep. And finally, the man, the myth, the legend, won the famous Thomas Cook trophy for Man City, Richard Dunn. <laughs> you care too much about cards, don't you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> it's sickening. I thought you were all about yellow cards, but I didn't know you had this infatuation with red cards too, mate. Well, no, because one Vieira is obviously, you know, growing up watching football, Vieira is kind of an obvious one. But I remember seeing, because I remember seeing this stat like a few years ago. And then obviously I watched City way back when and Richard Dunn, similar to as what you said with Vieira. Every other week was getting sent off, it felt like. It was just, <laughs> it was just awful. And then uh, obviously I remembered about Duncan Ferguson. I think it was on Soccer AM. Someone said he's joint most sending offs. So I remembered it. So what a man there you go mate it'll be interesting to see how close granite gets to that actually tony well, i wonder what he's on at the moment um, he'd at three. least be like four. Oh, no, four four now um four. It, you know the first the first four or five years he had that reputation i get sent off every week and he got sent off twice in his first year within a space of about three weeks of each other and then didn't get sent off for four years but the reputation stayed with him and then obviously he got sent off burnley home last year and then man city a couple of weeks ago but yeah, I don't. I don't think he will get anywhere near it. It's just that, especially the start of his Arsenal career, he had that reputation, yeah. even though it wasn't mm. particularly true. But commentators ran with it, and you know, once commentators say something enough, it becomes fact. Yeah, is that not just a great lesson in narratives? That's a great lesson. Biases, all that kind of good stuff. So uh, there you go. I succumb to it at least. Thank you very much, fellas. Next podcast. We'll, uh, oh, geez, I can't remember. I've got Sunday streams coming up. Neil Shah's coming on, so that'll be fun. And then actually next, uh, when would that be for you? It's very early Thursday morning for uh, for European listeners. But uh, Spanky Pro Sports Better's coming on for a, for a live Q&A. So quite a popular man in the industry. That'll be a, <clears throat> a good uh, listen for everyone. So send in your questions uh, beforehand if you can't make it. But thanks for listening, everyone. Please do a quick rate and review of the podcast and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And if you're looking to implement some of the strategies we talk about weekly on the podcast, more so the value betting ones, start a free week trial of TradeMate Sports. Cheers again, fellas. And uh, yeah, look forward to it. it is, it's going to be a cracking weekend of games. So look forward to it.